but yeah, my mind is always looking for that positive side, but I'm also a dreamer, which has its negative sides because I just dream. If anybody offers me to do something, I say yes to everything. Yeah, I go to the festival. Yeah, I mean, if if I was more like analytical, like or a different personality, I would do a lot less because I'd have everything written down and I'd look at it and say, oh, I can't afford to do all of that and I haven't got time to do all of that. But none of that ever enters my mind. I just like want to do everything. And somehow that allows me to do most things because I've just pushed the boundary. I do things that I shouldn't be allowed to do. That's probably why it looks like I do a lot as well. Because if I was being more realistic, I wouldn't even say yes. I wouldn't even book that flight. But then, you... then I wouldn't be myself, yeah. Right. So it's 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 got its pros and cons. But yeah, um, I would say the mindset allows me to push myself further. Yo, yo, what's up? You're live. <laughs> you good? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm good. Life's good. I'm good. The sun's back. I know. I'm happy. I've been waiting for that. Fucking hell. Forever. The German winter is long. Yeah. How's, How's it going, man? How are you feeling? Feeling good? I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Nice. Um, yeah, just uh, get things going. This is going to be our, what, second interview? Yeah, my turn now. There you go. Let's uh, mm. dig a little bit in this brain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's start off. Um, just uh, you know, let us let us know a little bit of um, how was your childhood, where you coming from, you know, how how things were when you were little. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I was born and grew up in a place called Worcester. Uh, you might know this as Vorchester, uh, Worcester sauce. Um, like my wife's family never got it. I kept trying to explain to them that I was from Worcester. And then I said Vorchester and they knew instantly. Um, anyway, it's like, uh, it's, it's not a very big place, but it's, um, it's, it's a beautiful place. Um, it's kind of countryside. Um, there's like some nice landmarks there, but the race course is just, it's a cool place to grow up. But for me growing up, my father is Persian. He he came to England when he was sixteen. His father like uh, sent him to to school here, and um, he met my mum. They were both quite young when they met, and um, my mum's English, born in born and raised in Worcester, and um, um, and yeah, they 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 met. They met in like the old school way, you know. Like I think they met in a swimming in the swimming baths. And like said, let's go on a date. Let's meet somewhere at certain time and date. There's no texting in between to to cancel. There's no Tinder. There's no nothing. You just turn up at seven p.m. at that random place. You agreed. Crazy. Um, and um, yeah. Anyway, like I I was born at a certain point after whatever. And um, yeah, to be honest, growing up in Worcester had its challenges and its low points. Because, like like I said, my father's Persian, so I've got brown skin. I don't look English, um, but I sound English. And, um, you know, from me looking out of my eyes, I don't see myself. I see other people around me. And 
I just obviously thought I was the same as everybody else. But people were treating me differently just purely for my skin color. So all through school, I would get, I always had racist attacks against me. It's crazy to think about it now. Um, you know, and, and it could go from like, you know, difficult, like horrible naming, you know, like the cruel stuff. Or it could even just be like the top level jokes, but still like there's that element there. And I mean, I didn't blame the kids, my, my colleagues, my colleagues, my classmates. Um, it's like something that comes from the parents, the way you brought up culture. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I mean, I was the only non-white kid at the school. That's pretty difficult. And the kids, they're not used to that. And I guess then, like I said, the parents aren't educating them or expanding their mind. Um, you know, well, I remember when I was, I think, seven. So I was at um, primary school. So young, right? Yeah. And I'd had, I just literally couldn't understand why people were being rude to me. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm a person. Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I'm just being me. Like, I'm at school. Like, what's your problem? And um, so I decided to do a presentation. Like, I st still look thinking about it now. Like, the fact that I decided to do that. Like, I said I was going to do it to my parents or to my mum at least. Um, and then we went and spoke to the teachers. They said, yeah, it's a cool idea. So I got these like A3 bits of paper. I wrote my name and a few other words in, in, in Farsi, in like, you know, Arabic looking writing. Yeah. And um, I took some artifacts or um, ornaments that were from, so like some, some dishes and plates and just, I took loads of stuff in, you know, like making a, like, you know, mini museum. And I presented back to all these kids at that age to say, look, I'm, I mean, I'm the same as you. I'm just, I'm even born here, but my dad was born here. This is why I look like I do. Um, and it was amazing. Like it just locked all, unlocked all these doors. So all of a sudden there was no racism anymore towards me. Maybe from new kids that didn't know me, right? I mean, in Worcester in general, you don't get away from it. But all my friends around me, they changed. And it just showed actually like that education does work in that way. But I had to do it as a seven-year-old. Do you think that's crazy now looking back on it? Um, and to be honest, that was like a, a, a common theme throughout my life to, to still to today, to be honest, like the whole racism bit, which most people would not think of um, that I get that. And, um, you know, I remember seeing... My dad lived in Cardiff for a while, and I remember we like drove to the sh like a shop to get some, I mean, like a supermarket. And then when we came out the shop, we were getting back in the car, and some kids told us to like fuck off and go back home to where we belong. Like, so what? Like, it was kids saying it for a start, but so, but I, and I was really young. My dad dealt with it in a good way, you know, just like brushed it off, but it, it's, um, it's been difficult. I just didn't understand, you know, it's, it's crazy. That, and, and it still happens today. Even when I go back to, to Worcester now, uh, you know, I get people like, you know, they'll meet you. Hey, where are you from? Like, oh yeah, I'm from Worcester. And they're like, no, where are you really from? And I always find these questions just like, but the thing is, I'm, I, I got used to that at an early age and looking back, I don't, 
I mean, at the time, obviously, I wish it never happened, but I took so much from that and it changed me as a person. It made me um, adapt to situations. It made me understand other people more. It made me almost like not feel bad for them, but or pity. I'm not sure what the right word is, but um, yeah, I, I was just able to like deal with different situations, you know? Yeah, that's crazy, man. You know, it's just like having to go through all that stuff, um, being a kid and still finding the positive on it. It's it's really tough, you know, like it's um it's a crazy situation and and obviously, you know, I think nowadays those are things we talk more about and there are more conversations about it. It's far away from good or from okay because it's absolutely unacceptable. But I think it's better compared to back on the day when you were growing up, right? So that's like rough, rough time. Yeah, dude, it was crazy. And like I was saying, it just kind of it it allows you to see things from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. It allows you to be like more empathetic to other people because you know what you've been through. Um, and to be honest, I think it made me a much more open person. And like, I'm not sure the right way to say it because it's, it's, but mm -hmm. I, I don't see, I don't look at people with different skin color and like change the way I talk or interact with them based on that. I just see like people yeah. and I think that again, like all of these experiences have been horrible as a child going through them. Um, I remember one time actually, it's like, it's sad in a way. I remember, um, my mum found me in the, in the bedroom and I'd put talcum powder on me, oh, wow. like to make myself white. Yeah. And I could see the look in my mum's eye. Like she was just like sad. She's also like, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that I did. I, you know, I went through, it was real. And, um, and it, that kind of stuff never really leaves you. Um, but like I said, I think you can take two routes. You can let it really affect you or you can, I don't know, it somehow take some positive out of it, whatever that might be. Um, but it definitely, it, it made me a stronger person, which is, you know, if, uh, you, you, I don't live a parallel life, so I'll never be able to say, but I think that helped me get to where I am and become who I am. Yeah. Shaped you. It shaped me, yeah. yeah. So, so Worcester's like an interesting place to grow up. And again, it's not, I'm sure you get racism all, all around, but, Everyone. you know. Yeah, it's not particular to the place, absolutely not. It's, it's, in, it's in the human um, mentality to push away whatever is different no matter that is a person that's different or a way someone talks or anything like that right which which is really crazy and um with all of that going on and and you know like school university how was how was life after that um at a certain point did you left um, the town uh did that contribute to your living um how was a little bit more you know it's funny because you would imagine and maybe this happens to some people, but that if you get bullied or have racist attacks or whatever, then you might become like more enclosed and keep yourself to yourself. Yeah. But my personality was always like coming out, which is like this smiley, happy, always taking the positives from any situation, like always just seems to be high on life, right? 
that was just not able to be suppressed, even though I probably tried it. And um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I go to high school and I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I've been into sneakers since I was a kid. So actually in the same, uh, if I go back before high school, in the same uh, primary school era, a couple of years later is when I really got into my sneakers. And I used to have um, my first pair of Jordans, a Jordan 6, 1991. I was wearing high-tech. I was in LA gear lights, like the shoes that flash. Like, man, I was obsessed with sneakers at that age. And I used to carry around this notebook. And I was drawing sports logos. I had every brand in there, like Adidas, whatever, like just drawing the logos. Like, that was my thing. But again, this is like I was expressing myself outward. When I went to high school, I continued that bit. I had like my hair bleached, but it was like more of a gingery color. And then I would put it into spikes and then I would have my sneaker. I mean, I wasn't trying to like blend in. I was just sort of still saying like, okay, this is me. Yeah. And deal with it. Deal right. with it. Yeah. And I had, and it worked. You still have the haters there. You still have those people that want to be, put you down or be racist a lot of the time they do that as well because they're almost it's like a fear i think they're scared of you or they're the you know um and they want to put you down but yeah i went i just i just kept growing and my personality was coming out like the way that i dressed the bright clothes i was really like loud <laughs> and um yeah so i guess I don't know if it's luck or just something built into me, an innate thing, but I came out on top. Like, honestly, I, there's so many things that happened that could have, like, I mean, my father also left when I was, you know, like three years old or something. My mom brought me up, um, you know, a bit later in life, I had a stepfather who brought me up as well, and he passed away of cancer. Um I mean, there's been so many like incidences like this throughout where it could have just like knocked me down or, you know, turned me or, or maybe like sent me off the rails or whatever. But I don't know, still, still managed to come out fighting. Yeah. And maybe that's another thing. Like I've always been fighting. Yeah. I've always been hustling and like nothing has ever been handed to me. Even though from the outside it might look like oh, it's okay for for Tay, like you know he's got this, he's got that, but I mean I had to work for that, I had to fight for that, and it's not been easy. Yeah. And I could have given given up a lot of times, especially growing up in England. I mean we love to drink there and enjoy ourselves, and I mean that's been difficult to, yeah. to get away from. But but no, it's been cool. And then I know after. Um, the, the big thing for me actually was after high school, mm. I then went to college and that's when you leave for all the friends that you've had for a long time and that know you and that go through the journey with you, with the racism as well and whatever. And then I made this move and I don't regret it, but I, but again, it was a strong one to do. I basically just cut all the ties Everyone I knew at high school, it's like, fuck this. Even though I was still friends with them. Because there was some like negativity there as well. So I had the good groups, the bad groups, but I just cut a line there like with everyone. And just went to this new college, like, I'm Tamor. Right. <laughs> met, 
met a, yeah, met a whole new set of friends who were still my friends today. And um, I was just completely myself. Like, and, and there was no real racism there either. That, so, like, I'd washed all that off. I was like, my, myself, I'd like, that was incredible. Um, I went to another college in, in what, like an art college after the sixth form college. The art college is a bit more, you know, hippie, like people smoking weed and stuff. <laughs> but uh, as you can imagine, at an art college, um, again, that was cool. But I went with the same people. So I'd got my friends now. So now I'm solidifying myself with this group of people. And these people are becoming like my family, you know. Um, spend all our time together. And maybe that's like, what I was looking for as well with like a bit of, you know, not having that father figure at home and having that shitty time growing up. And yeah, this became my family, my friends. I did, you know, at least my mum my was cool with it. Whenever I used to come back from uni or whatever, she'd know she's happy just to see me for lunch a few times, but she knows I'm going to be like staying with the boys. Um, but um, yeah, then after the college, decided to go to Manchester University up north. And um, I mean, that was just wild. I mean, the, 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 that was just wild. Like the, the studying was sort of like an afterthought. Right. I basically decided I want to go to Manchester. It's like, it's like famous for its music scene, its culture, its partying. Um, so I decided I want to go to and then at Manchester. Then I found a course that I could do. I ended up enrolling into some computer science course because mm-hmm. I've got I love this as a math side to me as well I'm more creative but there's this math side to me that I like in the coding but I mean I tried doing that course and it just it just wasn't right for me so I quit that after one year and moved to like um it's called like a, a national diploma a higher national diploma so it's like a more practical version of a, a degree and um you know that's where I really learned and that was a media production. That's why I really learned like hands-on, like how to do um, making movies, filming, uh, like interviewing, coding. So we still did coding, but it was more broad, uh, graphic design. Um, so I learned a lot of stuff there. And then on the side, that's when I also was like just enjoying life, like partying. Like I was free from living with my my mom. It was insane. We ran a club night when we were there. Like, so we, we created a club called Ritma Loco. We had some big DJs come along, like, uh, back then, Rui Da Silva. I don't know if you know this guy. And um, he's got a famous song. And I remember, actually, we would always go and meet the DJ before the gig. And, and there was, we, would, we, would, we took him out for dinner. And I turned up a little bit late, a little bit drunk, but in a really good mood and just sat down. But then I was singing his song to him. <laughs> Super cringy, super embarrassing. But anyway, like, like, like uni was full of stuff like that, just hanging out with my my close friends, running this night. Um, I, I mean, that that was just super, super cool. And um, again, didn't feel any of that like racism or. And again, I just continued to like express myself in the way that I dress. If I look back at the photos now, just of what I was wearing, like, I mean, it wasn't too wild, but it was. It was just loud, and it was always sneakers. Well, the sneakers were always like the dominant thing. Like, yeah. actually, at uni, I remember I, I was always that weird kid with shoes. Like, you go to my house, there was like shoe boxes everywhere, mm-hmm. shoes everywhere. But it wasn't even a thing. It wasn't. 
like collecting sneakers wasn't really a thing. Like I didn't know anyone else that did it. Yeah. I was just that weird kid with loads of shoes and I loved it. Yeah. And it was a different game back then as well. I remember like I used to be able to go into Foot Locker and just chat to the manager yeah. and just, and, you know, have a little word and he'd just like go into the basement and come back with some cool, like, I don't know, trainer ones or whatever, just some rare sneakers and just sell them to me for like 10 quid, yeah. you know, and that's completely different now. That's like another topic, the whole sneaker yeah. thing, but um but yeah so that yeah and i mean it didn't stop there i mean i had my dream was to always go to london that's normally what you know aspires you in the uk at least um and that's where i ended up that's where i got my well i actually had a stop-off point in a place called cheltenham famous for the races um i had a stop-off point there where i needed to um yeah, I got my first job as an art worker. So try, finally trying to put some of my skills I learned at uni into, into practice. Yes. And um, yeah, that was my first like real gig, I guess. And um, lasted eight months there before then, you know, landing a job in London and making that move to London, which yeah. was which was cool, which was super cool. That sounds cool. But expensive. <laughs> London is expensive. Right. I bet. I was spending my... Um, you know, spending my time between, yeah, you're working, you're getting your paycheck. More than half of that paycheck goes on um, rent. And, you know, everyone that goes through that going to London, I guess some people might have um, assistance from family or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's tough. And I'm also not responsible at that age. So uh, I think most people are in the same boat as me, especially in London. It's all about partying and drinking and like going out for drinks after work. So there was, um, yeah, it, it's not that I'm thinking purely about my career and like saving all the money. It was tough. I'd say that that lasted for like seven or eight years mm -hmm. before then I was able to sort of keep progressing up in the career ladder yeah. to finally earn enough money um, where I could enjoy London properly without being in debt all the time. Yeah, that sounds like big city type of story absolutely crazy and then like how do how did you like walk um your way through to germany like how did how did you end up here that's um yeah that's an interesting one so like i said i've, I've been into sneakers my whole life practically um in a big way like not just the sneakers themselves like i don't know if you know what it is it's like I can't even control like this, this, this obsession that I've got. And it's not just the sneakers, it's the whole culture. Like I would go to events and, you know, would, would, with whether it's like um, galleries or just like this underground scene or whatever. Mm. And I started to find people, especially in London, that were into sneakers as well, finally, uh, which was cool. And um, I've been applying for jobs um, for a long time for sneaker companies. Um, I've been trying since I was probably 18, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I've always been trying to get into that sneaker world for a job as a, as a passion, yeah. and I could never do it. Um, I started to then angle my uh, career into, like, the fashion world. I thought that might help. So I worked at, like, Net-A-Porter and Harrods and Mr. Porter. I think that definitely helped put me into that sort of world. Yeah. And I was doing... Um, 
Well, it's digital. I was doing like graphic design. I taught myself how to code. I, I switched into coding. Um, I then became like a sort of project manager. I was managing an agency for another company. I learned a lot of skills on the way that helped me eventually land my dream job uh, at Adidas. So this is this is how I ended up in Germany. Um, like I applied for a job. I've applied for, like I said, a lot of jobs. Yeah. Um, and I know, normally didn't hear anything back. But um, I remember having, I remember Adidas coming back to me and saying like, they wish they were a bit surprised. They're like, how come you've applied for this job? This is for like, this is the digital revolution, but for interns, yeah. but you're like, overqualified for that. Yeah. And I said, ah, oh, I completely didn't even notice. I just, I was just applying for a role. And they said, but actually we've got something that we that could interest you. So they like put me on the phone to someone else. I had a chat, I had like an hour long conversation with someone. I was like super buzzing. And, um, and that was like in, I think, um, June, 2017. And then basically they said, yeah, okay, we're going for the digital revolution. Things aren't completely clear, but we'll get back to you. I was buzzing, but then basically I didn't hear anything back. And I remember on a monthly basis, either through LinkedIn or Teams, uh, not Teams, uh, email, I would like send just a message to the this um, recruiter based in, in Herzo in Germany, Adidas. Just being like, hey, listen, I'm still here. <laughs> you heard you it? Forgot. Yeah. And then they would always reply politely, like, yeah, no, we're still trying to figure out the, the, the team setup. And I just thought they were just trying to yeah. blow me off. Like, oh yeah, the team setup, whatever. I didn't, I didn't put me off. I kept trying, kept trying. And then in November, I sent another one of those messages and they replied this time saying, actually, yeah. So there's something's popped up. Uh, would you be interested in this? Sent like a job description through because I'd had all these phone calls in the past. Mm -hmm. We'd already had that one part of the process done. So yeah, we had um, an interview set up for December which was um, like, again, like my heart was like, okay, maybe this is something's going to happen. I was actually in South Africa for a friend's wedding when my interview was due to take place, but I didn't want to move it. So I committed to having my interview while in South Africa. The time zone's the same, so that's easy. And um, I remember that morning we got up at 5 a.m. with the group with like the, there was a lot of us there for this wedding. And we did a hike up Lion's Head, which is like, it's like, I think a thousand meters high, but it looks at Table Mountain. So it's not the big one, but it's still, it's quite challenging in places. Anyway, did the, the hike up there. Like that was just crazy. Just like doing this hike with friends, getting to the top, feeling that exhilaration, seeing Table Mountain. And uh, the whole time, like thinking about, I'm getting prepared for my interview. So then we had to make the descent back down and then basically everybody went and had breakfast and I went back to the hotel and got myself set up. Now, like the Wi-Fi wasn't working properly and I basically ended up using my personal phone as a hotspot. <laughs> I think I spent, I think my bill was like 75 pounds just for that, just for that, like I had to stream my laptop and do the court. And then... Yeah, I had my interview while sat looking at Table Mountain, having my interview with Adidas, like in Germany, and just like buzzing. And then yeah, that interview went really well, and 
they said they would get back to me. And then I had this feeling, I kept saying to my wife, like, they can, I mean, they, why haven't they called me back yet? She said, like, come on, it's only been a day. And like, it's, they take like weeks to come back. And I was like, yeah, but that's not how I'm used to things happening for me. Like, right. Why haven't they called me back yet? And, and actually they called me back the second day and offered me to come into the, to the comp onto the campus in Germany, like in January. Yeah. And I was like, like I told you it was going to happen for me. It was like, it was like, why does it not happen? Right. Um, and then, yeah, got back from that trip and then, um, asked my wife if she would come with me to explore Nuremberg. Mm. Now, I mean, I had my mind set on, <laughs> I was on. like, this is a dream job. Please say yes. Please say yes. <laughs> oh, I was so supportive. I mean, she knew it was a dream job. Also, she um, she's from Milan. Like we met in London, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, we we met in a in a gallery. Actually, it was a sneaker gallery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's super cool. Um, we met there. It was like this love at first sight moment. Um, I think I stalked her around the gallery, but she says she stalked me as well. So that's okay. Mutual, mutual respect there. But yeah, I mean, I remember meeting her in there and, and seeing her and just thought, okay, I need to like say something. I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I was like, if I don't say something, I mean, she's going to go. I'm not going to see her again. I didn't know she was Italian, but I still didn't think I would see her again. So I spent, this is, I was like stalking her. We kept looking at each other. Stalking sounds a bit bad, but it's probably what it was. And, uh, I was just trying to build up the courage to chat. Yeah. And in the end, I went and positioned myself by the exit. So I knew that she had to walk past me. And I had some flyers in my hand because be, I think it was a Sunday. I'd been out. There was like a whole sneaker thing going on, different places. I was like walking around the different exhibitions. So I was just like, um, okay, let's do this. And she walked past and said, hey, um, like, did you enjoy the, the exhibition? And I think she thought I worked there because I had the flyers as well. And she was like, yeah, she had like, wasn't speaking English very well. Mm. So it was like broken English. And then um, I said, hey, listen, do you want to grab a coffee or a beer or something? And like, when you say that in English, that just means like sometime in the future. And then, you know, if you say yes, you swap numbers and then you meet up, you arrange the thing. But she took that translation to mean like, like, do you want to go for a coffee now? Mm -hmm. And she was with her little sister. Mm -hmm. So she said to me, no. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, okay, cool. Well, listen, enjoy the rest of the day. And then she walked off. Yes. And then I was like, bummed. <laughs> but then she walked straight back in mm-hmm. and was like, hey, can I have your Facebook? So I gave her my phone and she typed in her name and then she pressed accept or, or the other way around or whatever. But anyway, we were like connected. Yeah. And um, I asked her later what happened. She basically said to her sister, he asked me for a drink. And I said, no. And she was like, what the like, I thought you, you know, just, I thought you liked him. Go and just go and say yes. Yeah. So it was like this miss lost in translation. Yeah. Because there's so many points of that in the story where like it almost didn't happen. And then, yeah, because her sister was here or there um, for another week. So we didn't meet. So we just like chatted on um, Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't even have each other's number. So we spent like one week getting to know each other on chatting. It was super cool. And then we were like, went on a date together. 
which was like awesome. We arranged to meet at like three o'clock in the afternoon at a gallery just in case it's like awkward and ended up like hanging out the whole day until like midnight. That's awesome. So that was amazing. But, um, and then like, yeah, that just blossomed and just turned into something amazing. Um, and so I think it was like, um, three or four years later mm -hmm. when I got offered this opportunity mm -hmm. and, um, and my wife had always said to me like that I should try living outside of the country because she thinks that I'd love it, my personality, everything. Yeah. She's done it from uh, Milan to London. Right. So she was supporting me. The only thing is we're both into surfing and she got me into surfing. So like when we first met, she took me on holiday, which is cute. And she took me to Portugal, mm -hmm. a place called Galeal. And that's where I, I had my first surf lessons. It's where we met these guys, Sebastião and, and Tiago, like still mates with them now. They were my first surf teachers and other friends. And we'd go back there like once a year. We were before COVID anyway. And um, so like surfing is part of us. And that first time I went surfing, it changed me. Like I, I, I came back from the trip and wanted just to throw away some of my stuff and just like get rid of this stuff that I just don't need that I've been collecting. Not the sneakers, but... <laughs> Maybe everything like, else, everything but not else. The sneakers. Yeah, like all the the t-shirts that you never wear and stuff. Right. Um so that's just to put that into your mind that surfing was a big thing. Mm -hmm. And living in England, you know, we had to drive seven hours to go to Cornwall and then and then like surf in the cold, wet and wet and rainy conditions. So a move would have been nice to live in Portugal, maybe. But anyway, I was suggesting this place, which is landlocked. Mm -hmm. It's like the furthest place from any ocean in Europe, I think. I think it's actually, I think it is that place. And we went to visit in January and Germany's famous for its long, cold winters. So we went there for a weekend and it was dark and raining. And <laughs> But none of that, I didn't care about any of that. All I could think about was that Adidas. And I remember walking around the whole of Nuremberg just looking at people's feet which is what I did anyway and just seeing like Adidas and thinking they must work at Adidas yeah. <laughs> probably they did but forgetting that people actually uh you know outside of working at Adidas buy the product yeah. that's why the company is successful right but I was literally thinking okay they must work at Adidas and then I'd, Puma is also in Herzo you know the Puma and Adidas were brothers back in the day right and they set up their businesses next door to each other so there's this whole puma vibe there um but yeah that was just like crazy just spending that weekend there preparing for my interview um sitting down in coffee shops and people were being next to me with their adidas gear on and i'm thinking they probably work here maybe, maybe they'll see my presentation <laughs> i don't know it was such a weird feeling and then in the end um did she, she said yes Let's go. Let's do it. Um, how how did that end up? Yeah, I mean, where you started the, depends the, how you see. The, the, yeah, the interview was successful. Got offered the job. Got offered like a relocation package that made it easier. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't going to say no. But then we had to have this conversation because we bought a flat in London, um, and we were happy in London. That's just, mm -hmm. London's a it's a fucking cool place, and we lived in Shoreditch. Like that's like the heart. It's like where all the fun is. Um, it was a difficult decision, but I think at that point I'd also personally felt like I'd had enough of London. Been there twelve years. It's a busy, hectic place, and it's expensive. 
And as much as I miss it now at the time, I was almost a bit sick of just like, it sounds bad now thinking I'd love to do it, but partying all the time. Right. But it's just like you do the same things. Um, and I wanted just like a new challenge. I just, I had that thing, you know, and I just fast forwarded a few years in my mind and just thought, well, maybe I'm going to still be doing this in five years or 10 years. Is this, maybe this is what it's like. I need to just challenge myself. Yeah. But anyway, we, you know, took the job with the support of my wife. And initially we thought that I would go there and we would see each other every month or every two weeks. Um, and then maybe after like six months or a year, we would then be like, she would come and live with me in Germany. And after like the first month, like my wife had managed to find a job in Munich mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. Like, I think they she even got headhunted. It was all just like so surreal. And then she, she basically took the job and, um, yeah, she had like three months notice, but still like we fast forwarded like from a 12 months to like four months and she was here, Yeah, but it was difficult. It was like, it was testing the relationship a little bit, just the distance, but also even then when, cause she got the job in Munich, but we lived in Nuremberg. It's like 200 kilometers away. So she got this train every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, then she did it for 10 months. She took a train yeah. and she'd wake up at five thirty. two hours there. And then she would finish work, come back two hours. And again, again, like I said, the winter is horrible. So, okay. When she first came, it was okay. But I think she came in like September, October. Mm-hmm. So the winter came quite quickly. So basically you're getting up when it's dark and cold, you're coming home it's, and it's difficult, you know, really, especially like she's, she's from Milan, right? So she needs the sun and we're now into this whole surf thing. So we want the sunshine. And I'm like, I, I mean, I just need to be on by the ocean as well in a, in a hot climate. Um, that was difficult yeah. for 10 months. She sacrificed a lot for me, yeah. which I always like over for. But then she managed to get a, a cool job at like Siemens. It's like also in the same area. And it, that's when our like life's changed a little bit. So the, the work-life balance was there. Um, but it's been tough. It's been, the, this whole th- adventure has been difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, yeah. you know, to give up friends and family, to, to, to sell the property. London's a cool place. There's just like so many things that you give up for something that you want it's not like easy yeah and choices right you gotta make choices make choices and it's it's difficult it tests the relationship as well yeah Uh, i don't think she i don't think my wife was ready to leave london to be honest right that's awesome man i mean it's a it's a crazy journey and brought you where you wanted to be which is obviously it's easy to as you said you know it's easy to look from outside and just see like yeah things just happened to him you know like he's such a lucky guy you know like he wanted to do that and he did it and it happened and it was so easy so it's, it's good to see the see the ins and outs and and the challenges you go through to actually achieve what you want and and also the exchange right a lot of times um i think we as humans are always looking for the perfect scenario which has every single thing you want in one place right which is impossible so you found like professionally um, a place which you can combine your passion with but in exchange of living from another passion living far from another passion right like it's not that you're by the ocean working with the thing you love the most so like you know it's, it's, it's a choice it's always a choice and an exchange and i think it's it's quite interesting to look at that from that angle because um, 
you know, there is no perfect situation. You have to make it perfect or make it work as, as, as much as you want, right? Um, and if you look like at like all those things, how do you how do you escape today from it? Like how do you how can you combine those things now since they're so far apart? Well, before the pandemic, uh, I was um, going to Portugal once a month, <laughs> and again, even that, I think it's it, people might look out and say, "Oh, you get so much holiday," or "How do you manage to do this?" Mm. But it's more about the mindset. I honestly believe, like, I've had this commented to me my whole life, like, or my at least my well, yeah, maybe my whole life, especially in a career. It's always like, you you on holiday again, or how do you do that? How do you afford this? Like, yeah. I mean, I didn't come from a rich family or anything. Like, right. I've had to make everything I've got now, and I still haven't like made it or anything. And you know, maybe with Instagram and Facebook, it looks like a much better life. Because obviously, I'm only going to post like the cool pictures, and I do get to travel a lot. Um, Nobody posts the shit stuff. No one posts the shit stuff. Nobody. If you like upset, crying, arguing with your wife, like pissed off, whatever, all that stuff. That's the reality. I should post that. Exactly. <laughs> I just post the the fun stuff. And before I carry on about the escape bit, I mean, I'm also lucky that, and not lucky. This is the thing. Like, so two of my best friends, one lives in US, mm. one lives in Australia. That's difficult. Like WhatsApp makes it a bit easier. You can chat, but one of them doesn't like chatting very much. So like, it's tough, you know. I want to see them more. My my father like emigrated to Canada when I like I said when I was like four or five. He stayed in England for a bit, but then he emigrated to Canada. Um, then my I've got two <laughs> I've got two sisters in the UK, and then I've got a sister uh, um, in Santa Cruz and a brother in LA. Mm-hmm. I mean. This is just difficult, and and now yeah, with my my wife as well. So we've got like the Italian side, like <laughs> family spread everywhere, everywhere. Right, yeah. But what that means is, when we're going back to visit family, we're going to these cool places mm-hmm. like Melbourne, New York, Los Angeles, California, Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. Milan, Verona. Um, like that's cool, mm-hmm. and the pictures look amazing. Right. But again, you can do this relatively cheap. You find a cheap flight, you know, and then you just like stay in the spare room or on the sofa. Like it's it's not that I'm traveling around the world on a massive budget. So first of all, just wanted to just to say that really. And um, but uh, again, it's that mindset piece about being able, just actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And always what, I, what I'm quite good at doing is and it, it's tiring and stressful. Again, you don't see that on the pictures maximizing how much free time I have. So if I've got four days off work, I'll take a flight on like the working day before, like scramble after work, get straight on that flight, arrive in the place at midnight. But then I've got my full time. And then I might even extreme, the most extreme I did actually, I went to my dad's, um, my dad got married again in in, uh, Vancouver. And I went there for like, I think three days and I I flew there, did the wedding. Then I flew back and landed in London at 7am at Heathrow and got the tube, which goes directly into the center. And so by like 8am or 8.30, I was in the office working, scratching my head like, what the fuck? I was like, 
I was in Canada like, when I, this morning. I went, right, I went to bed in Canada, woke up in the UK, like, <laughs> like crazy. Yeah. Um, that's about the maximizing bit. Right. And just to, so, since I've been in Germany, I found this, um, this good priced, I would say cheap, direct flight from Nuremberg to Porto. Mm. And it was, I was going through the winter, so it was even cheaper. It was 12 euros each way. I found this B&B, this bed and breakfast. I yeah. think if I remember, it was like 14 euros a night, including a big breakfast. And it was a nice place. Right. It felt more like a little home. It wasn't like a hotel or anything. And then I think the flight would be Sunday to Tuesday or something. No, no, Tuesday to Sunday. That was it. Anyway, you could basically go away for like four or five days mm. for like 60 euros. Yeah. And you're so, by the ocean. And you're by the ocean. Right. And then you've got your surfboard, which doesn't cost very much. And you keep that the whole day and you, like you drink some beers on the beach. So it's amazing. That was my outlet. And whenever I did those trips, I would try to take as less as possible, which is difficult for me because I, I always like to take everything with me. Spare shoes, sneakers. I love my electronics, like right. so many extra battery chargers that I never use because I just plug it into the wall. Anyway. But those trips for me would be my escape. Mm -hmm. And that would, we were lucky, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I'm still fortunate that I can do that. Right. But on the outside, I think it looks more hard to do than it actually is. Yeah. And I think people always look for excuses too, right? Like, it's always like, oh, yeah, again, it's easy for you because da 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 da. It's, it's easy for him because insert an excuse here, right? Like, people love excuses and to complain about what they don't have. But they don't take that they don't take the effort to to make it happen, right? It's not it's not necessarily easy because you need to get out of your comfort zone, get out of your comfortable apartment, get out of your comfortable bed, and like put yourself out there and go through those things and spend money and you know focus where you want to spend your money on. But it's possible if you want to. I think the only thing that I would say is easy for me is that how my mind is mm -hmm. wired. Right. <laughs> Some of it's taught. I've been teaching myself like how to be more relaxed and have a growth mindset and be more mindful and think about others and how other people perceive you and to think about what other people might be going through right. when they respond in a certain way or whatever. Like this is just trying to become a better person really. Um, but yeah, my mind is always looking for that positive side, but I'm also a dreamer, which has its negative sides because I just dream if anybody offers me to do something, I say yes to everything. Yeah, I go to the festival. Yeah. I mean, if, if I was more like analytical, like, or a different personality, I would do a lot less because mm -hmm. I'd have everything written down and I'd look at it and say, Oh, I can't afford to do all of that. And I haven't got time to do all of that. But none of that ever enters my mind. I just like want to do everything. Mm -hmm. And somehow that allows me to do most things because I've just pushed the boundary. I do things that I shouldn't be allowed to do. That's probably why it looks like I do a lot as well, because if I was being more realistic, I wouldn't even say yes. I wouldn't even book that flight. But then, you... then I wouldn't be myself. Yeah. Right. So it's 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 got its pros and cons. But yeah, um, I would say the mindset allows me to push myself further, which a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, and with this whole like situation happening around the world which you may have heard of uh <laughs> the last year um how does that 
come into play because obviously being on the go and like traveling through this through this, those different places um is something is really important for you how how does that happen bro that's been like everyone it's been super tough firstly i haven't been back home to uk to see my mom or sisters friends family since march 2020 I even forget what year it is now. Like that whole last year was just, um, I haven't seen my brother and sister and father, family in, in the U S since I don't even know. And like, yeah, it's just Australia. And I mean, again, I'm saying these big places, like people would love to go there, but still that's where my family is. So I can't change the place. The fact that they live in these cool places. I haven't been able to see them. I haven't been able to have my, my outlet. Everyone's got their own outlets. I love partying. I love drinking. I love surfing. Um, I'm I'm into sort of. I love tennis. I'm play tennis. I play most sports to be honest, like soccer. I go running. I mean, a lot of the things I like doing as well. There, it's about being sociable. So I really felt it. I've I I definitely think I've been depressed throughout this, but trying to manage it, and it's difficult for like. Because I'm always this smiley outward, smiley person, outward going, and always sees the positive and everything. I think it's um, it's easy for people not to realise that maybe I'm, a, I'm I am depressed, mm-hmm. and sometimes it, you know you're always trying to look for something deeper than what it actually is. For me, it's fairly simple. It's like, yeah, there's a fucking lockdown. There's a pandemic going on. I can't see friends and family. Working from home, yeah. not going to the office, not interacting with people, like. All of that is enough on its own just to make someone depressed. And then also in in Germany, like I've said, the winters are long and dark. Like I, it's so difficult. It's it's a survival technique just surviving a German winter in my mind. Especially if you're into like the hot weather. Normally, what I would do is um, again, my wife loves snowboarding. She got me into that as well. So we, throughout the winter in Germany, we would go snowboarding three hours drive to Austria. Right. I mean, that's a great life. Again, it's like. For people back home, for me in the UK, who love snowboarding and skiing, like they'd have to sp- spend a lot of money on flights and ship all their equipment. It's like, and it's expensive. We just jump in a car, stay in a and b snowboard, make a packed lunch. Like we do it all cheap, but it just looks like crazy. But through the lockdown, we couldn't even do that. So this winter has been tough, to be honest. Now we've finally got some some sunshine coming through. So things are starting to feel better, although it looks like it's going to snow again next week which is which is bonkers um but i mean yeah it's um i think the the biggest thing i've done to test myself is i put myself on a 12-week plan Mm -hmm. starting in actually it didn't even start january it started on the december the 30th Mm -hmm. so i didn't even bother celebrating new year Mm -hmm. and it was a saturday i think so it went through the first weekend after like enjoying Christmas and drinking and eating. Yeah. So the first weekend, I just quit drinking for five weeks. <laughs> like this is, t- didn't drink for five weeks, did the home gym, I had a bench and some weights, did the gym every day, went running. Uh, in January alone, me and my wife did 140K running. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> um, so like just testing ourselves, like mm-hmm. eating clean, like trying to sleep well and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think, putting all that extra pressure on myself has been good and bad right. because I, 
again, there's no outlet. Normally I would have some drinks as my let off some steam. So, but I didn't want to like go down this rabbit hole and of depression or um, fall off the wagon or whatever word you want to use. I I wanted to come out stronger, Mm -hmm. but that's difficult. And I managed to do it 12 weeks. I did 12 weeks and I did drink a little bit here and there. I made myself some vouchers. It's my wife's idea. I had like some pizza vouchers, some drinks vouchers. And that was like something we could look forward to. And basically we used it like once a month. So once a month we'd like get our favorite pizza, get the beers in and, you know, whatever. And that really helped. And now I'm at this point, I've just finished my 12-week plan. I've started my new one. Um, but I look back and think, well, that was like a crazy achievement. 12 long weeks. Yeah. And instead of coming out of the lockdown, like overweight or drunk loads and whatever arguing and stuff it's like i've actually come out stronger i'm fitter i did all this running my uh, my diet is great like i actually have taken so many positives from it but it's been tough um but that's how i dealt with it but i haven't necessarily like like i said it's not maybe it looks easier on the outside well it does right because uh, nobody see the the grind a lot of sacrifices. Grind is the thing, right? Grinding every day, showing up, just showing up. Just showing up is hard. Just showing up is already hard. Then you have to do it. You have to do it. Have that plan. Right. Like you can see behind you, that's my gym plan there. Like, I did the gym this morning before you arrived. There we go. Like, that was tough. I was thinking, I need to do this today so yeah. I can enjoy my beers later. Yeah. But I'm always pushing myself. Yeah. I, I always feel guilty if I have a day off right. or do nothing. It's not just with physical, it's with, it's with, with this, it's with work. It's, I'm always pushing. And I think that's been one of my keys to success mm-hmm. is work in progress. I, I never think I'm good enough right. in anything. Right. And I'm not probably, but that always makes me fight for more and keep pushing myself. I'm, I'm never happy that's the wrong word like i'm super happy um i'm i'm not content with that level you know so with tennis i'm doing coaching i want to get better i know i'm never going to be like professional but i want to get good enough i just want to keep pushing myself not even compared to other people just for me same with the job i i want to go on the next level in my career and i'm like pushing and pushing and you know setting up this business this is like extra work on top with my body and my training and my eating and i'm just yeah it just seems like i'm pushing from every angle yeah um but if i was to take a step back like i've just done like a retrospective for my 12 weeks it's like you know that's that's i guess part of how i got to where i am Mm -hmm. it's just like the hustle to keep pushing if i look back at that example about the job for adidas sending that email like every single month do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you would have done, probably they would have forgot about you. Yeah, of course. Right. Like they would have, and somebody else might have just come along at the right time. Yeah. You know, somebody else sent that one email and never anymore. And that's it. Haven't had the job. Yeah. Because that's there, like consistent. Right. But, but this is tiring. That's what I think. Just, just, I can just finish there, I guess. Is this, it's tiring. Keep pushing. Yeah. It's, it's a it, gift and a curse, right? It's like, not supposed to be easy. Like, yeah. none of what has happened to get me here has been like, ever handed over right been like f- fighting you know so 
yeah the hustle yeah yeah that's what i'm saying it's like it's, it's a gift and a curse right if you know how to manage that well and and it seems very clearly that you do because you've learned hard way but you did um it can be very strong gift right just pushing making things better getting better working hard to become a better person um but it can easily also push you to distress right to become stressed or, or depressed or anything like that so the balance is good and knowing how to manage yourself in that sense and um talking about uh, dreams and and all those things you mentioned before um where is your head at what are you looking at so when you put the head on the pillow at night what is that dream that keeps coming back to your mind and like oh man like i'll, I'll get there i'll get there what is that um well me and my wife uh recently got a puppy mm. amazing little guy he's brought so much love into our lives already and given us like some more i guess focus and just different perspective on life and again like not necessarily being selfish about hey, what we want to do now it's about what we, as in the three of us now. Right. Um, but we, we've always dreamed about living the surf life. Mm-hmm. Still with the career, not a complete surf life, if, you know. But, but we want to be by the, the coast or be able to have access to the, to the, to the ocean and, and surf more. Um, and dream about our dog is called Nelson. Named him after Prince. Prince Rogers Nelson. Um, and, uh, yeah, we want to have this surf dog and we just dream of this surf life, you know, I, I, we'd love to spend our time between like Nuremberg and Porto, you know, like mixing it up. Let's see how this remote working goes. That would be the the, the ultimate dream, you know, um, that's it at the moment. Just, it's, it's about simplicity. I think Mm -hmm. like. I also we we live in this world where we 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 have so much. I mean, you can see all these sneakers. <laughs> like, that's never going to change. But I just always want stuff. But whenever I go on my surf trips, I realize I don't need anything. I even take every time I take a small bag, it's still big, and I still never use what's in there. It stays freshly folded. I I live in the same pair of shorts and the same t-shirt, and I normally buy a t-shirt when I'm there anyway. <laughs> But it, it's like the simplicity. Then I come back to, to this and think, ah, oh, I need, I need a new iPad and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think we just want that simple life. Right. But with the career, you know, like we, we, st- we still enjoy earning money. We still enjoy being able to travel. But I think instead of having to chase the holiday, we'd like to live on the holiday. That's awesome. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's awesome, man. I think there is no no better way to to end up that uh, conversation, and I'm glad you take the time and we could could have the chat. Thanks for the experience, sharing your Thank learning you. throughout life. No, it's been great. Thank it's you, great, mate. Super good. <laughs> nice yeah.